Nachito Garcia III. Obviously Mexican. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother. I'm a husband, I should have said that one first. I think I did, I'm gonna get in trouble. I'm a pastor. I'm a gospel rapper on a limited occasion every now and then. And Monday through Friday, I'm an IT geek squad guy, tech guy. That's who I am, that's who I am. My wife teases me because I have these hats and she teases me because she always knows who I'm talking to on the phone. She knows what character I am. We're not character, I shouldn't say that. She knows what, what title I am. Perfect example of my work calls, I'm on a work call, right? A call comes in, it's work, you get a little something like this. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, Ignacio speaking. Hey, how you doing? Having little issues. Okay, I can help you out. All right. That's my IT voice. Shout out to my Caucasian brothers for letting me use the Caucasian voice there. She laughs at me too. And then you'll get a call like this if it's one of my uh, church buddies, right? Hey, hey, brother. Hey, how you doing? God bless you, brother. Yes. No, what's going on? Yes, let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah. She already knows, I know you're talking to somebody from church. Tell the person next to you, it don't lie. And then I get a call like this and she already knows who I'm talking to. Hello? Hey, what's up, my man? Oh man, I'm just chilling. What's cooking with you? Who's that, Jay? That's Pastor Jay or Pastor Tony or Pastor, that's, you get a homie call. That's a homie call. See, these are th different things and these are different hats I wear. Sometimes I don't know who I am because they all land at once. Sometimes during work hours, a church call comes in, right? Or sometimes during, you know, uh, uh, being a daddy, you know, different things, responsibilities come in. And they all, sometimes they all come at once. And there's sometimes I just want to say, I, wait, wait, I, I, I want to do a timeout on this now. Maybe I want to do a timeout on this. Or maybe I just want to uh, not have my pastor hat on right now. Or maybe, you know, I just want to hang out with the girls and my babies and watch a little Disney channel and not have to do these parent-dad hard responsibilities. Can I take a break for a minute? But I don't get to choose the options. We don't get to choose the options. You see, I'm a father always, I'm a husband always, and I'm a pastor always. That's who God says I am. And because I claim these titles and are honored with these titles, I take them for the good times and the hard times, I'm dedicated to them. I'm dedicated to this. I live and die for these, for this. And today I wanna to focus on not who I am, but I wanna focus on the great I am. Somebody say great I am. The great I am Jesus. See, my prayer is there's a revelation on who does God say you are and who do you say God is. And I believe we can go through an identity crisis when we don't know who Christ is. Anybody have an identity crisis in their lives? I believe some of us came through these doors or some of us there on Zoom are going through some sort of identity crisis. But I'm here, but I believe right now you won't leave this place the same way you came in. I believe knowing your identity is in who Christ is. You may have came in with a crisis, but you're going to leave this place knowing who Christ is. Can I get an amen, somebody? We're going to jump right into Matthew 16. We're going to be reading through 13 to 19. And I, I love this story. We, we heard it many of times. And, and, and I want to say, even as putting this together, I said, you know, with identity crisis, this is a preaching we hear uh, a few times. 
And I would wish this would be one we could just do one season. Hey, don't forget, we got Christmas, we got Easter, and we got that identity thing. But unfortunately, this is a every season, a couple of times a season. Why? Because of identity crisis. Because the enemy trying to attack, take um, our true identity way, becoming, holding our, our fake IDs, holding our, uh, this uh, uh, fake ID of who we think we are, who the enemy says we are. So I believe this is a common topic that we have to bring up. As we go right to uh, Matthew 16, we're going to be starting at 13 and 14. And I want you to catch up where we're at. Jesus was already traveling. This is already some time in ministry. He had traveled all over teaching. He had healed many. He had forgiven sins. He'd already walked on water, right? He's driven out demons, and he even raised those from the dead. And the disciples had seen all of this. They witnessed these miracles. They had been following him for some time now. And in 16, 13, we start reading. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do they say that I am? And the disciples begin to get excited. They go, okay, let me tell you, because you know how many no, gossip starts running around. Or, you know, as they went from town to town, people would go and they'll be skeptics. Jesus would have haters back then that they'll be talking about, oh, is that witchcraft? Oh, you know, he, think, he says he's this or he says that. That's not real. So Jesus had to ask his disciples and said, hey, hey, who do they say that I am? And all the disciples started chiming in. Verse 14, they said, uh, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Another one says, oh, you're, your others say you're Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus hits them with this, one of the most important questions ever. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus there with his disciples tells them, okay, that's what they say, who they say I am. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? That's a million-dollar question right there. And how we answer that question is the very foundation of how we live our lives. And Jesus wants to know that answer today. He not only wanted to know the disciples' answer, but I believe he wants to know our answer today. Who, is, who do we say he is? And I believe he asked the disciples because he knew they truly, truly didn't know him. Even though he, they walked with him daily, he poured into them. He told them everything about himself. He, he was with them. They were with him the whole time. They witnessed him perform miracles, but still probably they didn't know who he was. It's kind of like some of us. We may grow up with somebody, or we went to school, and then high school, and then after we, you know, our cousins, we knew all our lives. And it's usually after one crazy, drastic incident Maybe you see him on the Channel 11 news. Pete Pepper pops up, right? Pete, that's his old name, Pete Pepper. You guys remember that guy? Maggie Skurr. Maybe on the news it pops up, and then you see them on the news. And you go, oh, man, I know that guy. That's my cousin. And then they start saying what he did. You're like, ooh, he did that? Man, I guess I never knew him. I was with him all my life. I grew up with this cat. And he did that? I guess I never Knew them. Anybody ever said that about somebody? Anybody ever say that about somebody? I guess I never knew them. See, these disciples still hadn't wrapped their minds around the idea that Jesus was the guy the Old Testament prophets were talking about, the one who would come and rescue the Jews. They didn't connect the dots at all. The scriptures that would come in the past and Jesus right in front of them, they put, didn't put it together. See, these disciples still hadn't wrapped their minds around that. 
They couldn't fathom that. And that's why he had to ask them. And yet, after all the teaching, the training, the discipling, they still didn't fully understand who he was and why he came. And that's why Jesus takes that moment to ask his disciples that most important question. Who do you say I am? Before we get to the answer, I started thinking about it myself. Because there's times in the Bible, Jesus, they, it describes Jesus. And sometimes we hear in the scripture and we, we hear it in um, parables. Right, that we hear from Old Testament and we hear uh, it, it connects or we hear when scripture comes to pass over here and it describes it kind of in metaphors. Right, the sacrificial lamb, but it's really the living sacrifice that describes Jesus. Right, it puts, you know, uh, the mystery of it for us to dig in. But then there's some just scriptures that just say, boom, this is who I am. I'm going to tell you who I am by saying I'm the great I am. Jesus just comes out blatantly says this is who I am. And I am is an important phrase throughout the Bible. I started looking through it, and, and it's John 6, 35. It's not going to be on the board, but he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. I am the true vine. You see what he's saying? I am. And he's telling you, I am the true vine. I am. And my favorite, I am the alpha and the omega who is and who was and who was to come, the Almighty. You see, God constantly is showing us his identity. And even asking the question, who do you say I am? Jesus is leading the disciples to, so they could get a recognition of him. So after he says, who, who do you say I am? They all got quiet. They were good answering the gossip stuff that everybody was saying. But guess out of all the people, all the disciples who spoke up, Simon Peter. Of all of them, right? He's always the one to jump up and say, jump out the boat, right? And this is what we read in 1616. And this is where it's very important to, to, to focus right here. Simon Peter answered and he said, you are, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Let me show you how important that is. When Peter answered Jesus and called him the Christ, you see, you got to know at that point, Christ isn't Jesus Christ. It's not his last name right? Christ is the title, meaning the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus couldn't believe it. He was shocked. There's not much that can shock Jesus. So when Peter came out and said, you are Christ, right? You are the Messiah, the anointed one. Because up to that point, all the disciples, everybody would call Jesus certain things. They would call him the, the teacher, right? They would call him the son of man, Lord, but not once did they call him the Christ. This is very important. This is very important. Why? Because this is what we call revelation. This is, this is God revealing to Peter, one of the disciples. Peter was the first disciple to receive the revelation from God that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. He was the first disciple to truly understand the fullness of who Jesus was. And in order for you today to know who you really are, you need to know who Jesus really is. When Peter told Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of God, it revealed that Peter knew exactly who Jesus was, right? Jesus couldn't say, who, who, who told you this? How did you know this? Or maybe the disciples, hey, bro, how did, who, did he tell you this? How'd you know this? Peter probably, I, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Did he tell you this? How did you know this? I don't know. I just felt it in my heart. I felt something speak to me. That's God, the father, giving him a revelation. You hear us throw that word around here revelation prophetic that's God speaking to his people his sons and daughters like he spoke to Peter here is this making sense y'all 
Now, this is, a, this is the response from Jesus to Peter. This is where it gets great, y'all. You guys with me this morning? It's kind of hard to see you, so I'm hoping you guys are with me. Verse 17, it says this, and Jesus answered him. This is the response. Jesus gets excited. You get it. You finally get it. I got one who finally gets it. One out of all of you gets it. So what does Jesus say? This is what he says. And Jesus answered, verse 17, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. See how he said his name there. Simon, son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood, man, it didn't reveal this to you. None of us told you. I didn't tell you. Man did not tell you this. They did not reveal this to you. But my father in heaven, the revelation, my father in heaven spoke to you and told you who I really was. That's revealing. That's revelation. And I ask you to think now, who do you say Jesus is? See, because what Jesus is to you is what he'll be through you. Mm, should I say that once again? What Jesus is to you is what he'll be through you. If you've experienced Jesus to be in your life, is how you will reflect him and testify about others. How you experience him is how you will testify about him. When you know Jesus is your savior, you'll, you'll testify, hey, Jesus, I, I, I know he saved me, and I know he can save you. Why? Because Jesus saved me. So whatever I call Je whoever I say Jesus is, that's who I say I testify about. See, the question doesn't have a wrong answer. There's no wrong answer when I ask you, who do you say Jesus is? There's no wrong answer. But there are better answers. There's better answers. And as your relationship grows, so should your understanding of him grow. Connections to him grow. The knowledge of him should grow. As your relationship should grow, so should the list of who he is should grow with you. Those things, as you grow in your relationship, you will start adding on who he is to you. Does that make sense? It needs to add on to you. Growing up, if you were to ask me, who is Jesus to me? I would have told you, because uh, I didn't know Jesus. So if you would ask me, who, who, do, you, who do you say Jesus is? Uh, I really don't know him, but uh, he's that long-haired guy with the beard. kind of looks like a hippie. And at my little grandma's house, he's in every picture on the wall. There's a big picture of him knocking on the door. There's a picture of him like this, and he's on every crucifix. He's on every, my grandma had every picture of Jesus everywhere, every uh, crucifix of Jesus. So as a kid, that's who he was to me. But, somebody say but. If you were to ask me, if you were to ask me after, after I got saved, right? If you would ask me after I saved, who, who is he to you? I would tell you, hey, I know you know who he is. He's my savior. He's my redeemer. If you were to ask me that week, who is Jesus? Who do you say that he is? And I would tell you, he's my savior. He's my redeemer. He saved my soul. He redeemed my life. That's what I would have testified. That's what I testified. Because that's who he was to me at that moment. And as I grew with him, he became so much more. When he personally blessed me in my time of need, Tony, he became my provider. I added on to me now, right? When, when, he, when, when I was close to have some life-threatening situations, but I was safe after, you know what he became? My protector, right? When, I had to, when he had to plead my case to others and to God for me in my defense, he then became my advocate. And this isn't my walk. This isn't my first year. This is years in. He became these things to me. 
And when I had to lean on them so I wouldn't make decisions under my own emotion and become, uh, and become so under being anxious, and he calmed me down. Karina, he became my prince of peace. That's who I say he is to me now. And it wasn't until years later when we had our twins and they came into our lives. That's when Jesus became our, our miracle maker. Our miracle maker. Like 10, 15 years into my walk, he became my miracle maker. I couldn't call them that before. But he became my miracle maker. Because it was a miracle we had these babies. See how Jesus adds on? Who do you say he is? There's no wrong answer, but there's better answers. Who, does he, who do you say he is? See, but those things can only be revealed to me as I step closer to him, as I trusted him with my family, as I trusted him with my loved ones, as I trusted him with my life, with my finances, with my everything. An example of a couple together, right? This is how you grow in relationship. Let's see who's on my target over here. Hey, the lovebirds right here. Sandoval's. This is how a relationship grows. If I were to ask Karina in the beginning, hey, uh, who's that guy? Who's that guy to you? Who is he to you? Maybe Starbucks days. Karina would have said, ah, oh, he's it's my little Starbucks crush. <laughs> right? My Starbucks crush. But the holier than holy, Tony walked in. I see no girls. I'm walking in, getting my triple campana, and I'm out. But then after they became friends, and then so who they became? He, became, he was my little uh, Starbucks crush, and he became my friend. And next thing, he became my crush. And next thing, he became your, your boyfriend. And then he became your fiance. And then he became your husband. And then now you guys are homeowners. And now you, he's your business partner, right? Do you see how things add on in our relationship? And then next, he's going to be your baby daddy of eight kids. Come on, somebody. Oh, my bad. Doggy daddy. I had doggy daddy. I'm sorry. I didn't. Doggy daddy. But do you see how these things add on in what? In your relationship as you get closer. Who do you say God is? Who here feels that they can get closer to Jesus? Just by the raising of your hand. Anybody who feels they could get a little closer to Jesus? See, Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was. And I believe even with all of Peter's setbacks, his hangups and failures, it was his determination, his commitment and dedication to Jesus that kept him chasing after Jesus' own heart. It was that which I believe God gave him the revelation of who Jesus truly was. It was Peter every time he fell and getting back up. It was Peter even when he messed up, he kept going after God. He kept going after God, and God would reveal these things. God would show him his heart. And then it was that time God said, this guy gets it. He sees it. I see even with his flaws and all, he gets it. And that's why I believe he spoke to him. He had that revelation. That's why God gave him a revelation of who Jesus was. Jesus was and is the Christ. He is the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior. And because Peter knew who Jesus was, Jesus can now reveal who Peter was. This is where it gets, it gets gooder and gooder, y'all. So Jesus, he tells him, who do you say I am, Pat? And he tells him. And he goes, okay, Pat, guess who you say I am? Let me tell you who you are, Pat. How you doing, Pat? Good seeing you, brother. He says, let me tell you who you are now. Jesus says, okay, Peter, let me tell you who you are now, right? Because you revealed me, so now let me give you some revelation about you, 
right? He tells them, you're the son of the living God. Then Jesus answered them, you are blessed, Simon. Somebody say, Simon. He didn't say Peter. I wonder why. He said, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal to you this, but my father in heaven. You said who I am, now let me tell you who you are. And this is where we read in uh, Matthew 16 and verse 18 and 19. It says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and on the gates of hell I will not overpower it. it will, hell will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I am giving you these keys, Peter, because you know who I am. Now let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you who you are now, Pat. Let me give you some keys now. Let me give you some keys now, Jesse. Let me give you some keys. See, God had the revelation, too, of who Peter was. He showed them his true identity. Somebody say, true identity. He, Jesus was then able to reveal to him who he really was. And until you know who your creator is, you will never know what you're created for. Jesus just unlocked the part of identity of who Peter was called to be. And it couldn't have happened or made sense until Peter received the revelation of Jesus of his true identity. See, things are now going to be more revealed to Peter in this encounter. In this encounter. You guys right realize when, when Jesus told him, he called him Simon, right? We're going to do a little Bible study right now, if that's okay. You see, when Jesus first meets Peter, his real name was what? Simon. And he was a fisherman. And let's go back there on their first encounter, right? This is in John 1.42. If you guys remember the story, we preached on this many of times. When, when, when Jesus first meets Peter and his brother, Peter was roughneck Peter, tough Peter, fisherman. He's on his boat, and Jesus meets him. And listen, this is their first encounter, months, years back. First time he meets him. Jesus looked at him, and he said, you are Simon, son of John. Right? He already knew his name. He called him his name. But you will be called Cephas, Cephas, which then translated is Peter, meaning rock. You guys catch that? Jesus' first time meeting this cat, he already changed his name. Right? And not long after Jesus tells him that, he says, yeah, you're a fisherman, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Is he coming back, right, the story of this? You see, when they first met, Jesus not only changes his name and his job, but he changes his identity. He also changes the narrative of his story. He changes the course of his travels, and he changes his life. But he also didn't see Peter for face value. He seen past his flaws and all and looked into his heart. Peter, I'm sorry, Jesus just meets this man named Simon, and he tells him, I'm going to change your name to Peter, which is going to mean rock. And I'm sure at that time, Peter was like, I don't know you, you're long, I don't know nothing about you, and you're changing my name. He probably was like, whatever. He probably, if it was nowadays, he goes, rock, oh, that sounds cool, like the wrestler rock, or like maybe Rocky, like, I'll take that. He didn't question the name. He didn't question the name. But Jesus, in that moment, because Jesus is what? He's the author and finisher of our story. This was the first page he got with, with uh, Simon Peter. But he didn't look at this first page, him as a fisherman. He looked through half of the chapter and says, no, no, no. You're going to be the rock of my church. You're going to lead this church. You're going to start this. You're going to be my disciple. But can you imagine if, if uh, Jesus at that moment told Peter everything at that moment? He would have freaked out and he would have jumped on this boat and paddled his way away from him. But Jesus seen more into him. 
just like Jesus sees you today. He doesn't see you in this situation. He doesn't see you in the heartache. He doesn't see you in these trials. No, no, he sees you the after because he's the author and finisher of your story. He's speaking it to the after. He sees the future of you. He doesn't see you right now in this hard times. He sees you in the victory days. So he changes his name. He prophetically called Peter, called him Peter, meaning rock. Then once Peter reveals who Jesus is to him, it was then that Jesus reveals why he called him Peter. So all this time after, he said, gee, you remember when I called you rock all that time before? It's because of today. Now I could tell you why. I could tell you why he called him Peter the rock. From the one I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And what I believe Jesus meant was the church. It wasn't, it wasn't talking about the building. Right? He wasn't talking about the building, but we are the building. We are the church. Right, Pastor Tony? We are the, the, the church. We are the people are the church. That's why he told them that. Peter was going to start the church, the church body. He was going to be the carrier of the Holy Spirit. That's what revealed. That's who he said you are now. That's who he's telling you are today. That's who you are today, the carrier of my Holy Spirit. Build this church. We're going to help me build this church here at the blessed side. I'm going to fill you with my spirit, he's telling them. That's why it's so important that we know who Jesus is. Because if you don't know who he is, we'll never know our true identity. Are you with me this afternoon? We'll never know what great things that God has destined for our lives. You see, so many people don't know who they are because they don't know the one whose image they were created in. And because of that, they buy into these false identities and labels that our culture puts on them. They're always trying to find themselves, but looking in the wrong places. Have you ever felt lost? You're like, man, I don't even know who I am right now. What am I supposed to be doing, right? Especially as we get older, not a high school no more. I'm a young adult now. Now I'm an adult now. Now I'm this age and I'm still on my mama's couch. And I'm like, who am I, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I, right? We go through these phases in our lives about our identity. And then we latch on to who the world says we are. Well, at this age, you should be here. You should probably be married. You should probably have kids. You should already have your career. Or at this, right? So we start grabbing the, the identities of what the world tells us. Or we start grabbing identities and labels of what other people say that who we should be. And that's where people say, I'm just trying to find myself. You ever hear people say that? I'm just trying to find myself right now. Because they don't know their creator. So they don't know what they're created for. That's why you see him one week, hey, man, I'm over here, oh, he's doing this, like he's, he's a, he's a breakdancer, and then you see him next week, and now he's, he's a karate guy, and then next week he's a gangster, and then next week he's a dancer, I don't know, he's all these things trying to find himself, because they don't know what they were truly created for, so they're looking for themselves in all the wrong places, and there's a lot of voices in life trying to define us, telling us who we are, and we allow people to define us and tell us or who our identity is. The world will try to impose an identity on you. The culture will try and impose an identity on you. The, the school will try to impose an identity on you. The streets will try to impose an identity on you, right? That identity is never who you were supposed to be, right? Anybody here in high school? Anybody, you guys are finally going back to high school? Raise your hands, I see y'all, right? Going back to high school, right? Finally in person, right? Kind of in person, you got got mask half so you really don't know who's who but in high school it's such a it's a tough time and I give it up for high school and, and for students right and I give it up to our high school ministry 
But these are the times where it's it stitched and probably the adults are a little older than them would be like, man, those were my craziest times. Those are times like I, that was an identity I want to lose because we're trying to maybe fit in so much, make some bad choices, right? You see some adults going like this, brother. Shame the devil. The identity is never who we were supposed to be. Anybody here ever tried to use a, a fake ID? I just turned really quick on you. Hello. Anybody here ever tried to use a fake ID? You don't have to raise your hand if you got kids there. Right? Okay, just, I'm just, I won't ask you. I'm asking you, but I'm not asking you. A fake ID to get into somewhere you're not supposed to be, or maybe buy something you're not supposed to buy. Right? You would get a what? A fake ID. A fake ID is a fake identification card, a, a fake license of someone you're not. Right? We kind of know who. We don't, you don't have to say you did it. Unless you want to. We could talk after. But it's a fake ID. It, it would get us, it would be a different identity we would have to go into certain places. Usually it's like a club, a bar, or, or to buy certain things. Or, or Yeah, those things. All right. We'll talk about that some other time. But I believe today there's some of you that are living in this fake identity that you know isn't you anymore. And it was never meant to be you. See, we've been walking in this fake identity. It's an identity you've been walking in. You've been talking in and it morphed into who you are. But in reality, that's not you. You've been walking with this fake card. You've been walking with this identity who is not you. And you know it's not. And you've been trying so hard to get out of it. It isn't you anymore or it was never meant to be you. Maybe it was a label that was put on you from your actions in the past. And that label stuck with you and it identified you. And now you're stuck. It's like being in a Halloween costume that you just can't get out of. You, you, yes, you may have been guilty of a certain past. I'm going to go slow on this one. You may have been guilty of a certain past, but you have been forgiven of that same past. I believe some of these things we've done in our past... Some of these things we did, mistakes we made, and yes, we made the mistakes. We can say we are guilty of that, but that shame or people identify us of that. Some of these things that you maybe did in high school and you're already in your 30s or 40s already, or you maybe in high school, you were that class clown or you were the bully or you were, uh, maybe you dated around a little bit. And now when friends see you years later, like, hey, man, you still, you still this tough guy? Are you still a bully? Are you still that playboy? Ah, man, ah. But it latched onto you, and sometimes you hold on to that fake identity. And you're like, I can't get out of this. And maybe at that time in high school, it made you the man. In high school, you was the man, homie, right? You became that, but then you're like, in high school, it's cool. But when you're an adult and a father, you're like, ah, I don't want to be that guy no more. I don't want to be that guy no more. But it sticks to you. Why? It's a label. Labels are meant to stick. How do I get this off? This isn't me anymore. This isn't who I'm supposed to be. Get this off me. Anybody ever felt that way? Let me say that one line again. Yes, you may have been guilty of certain past, but you, may, but you have been forgiven of that same past. Who does God say you are? Not who does your past say you are. It doesn't matter what other people have called you. It doesn't matter what you may have called yourself. There's only one who has the right and the authority to tell you who you really are. There's only one who has the right and the authority to tell you who you are. There's only one that creator can only tell you why, what you were created for. 
You ever notice the devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. But Jesus knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. My son, my daughter, the anointed, the chosen, my worship leader, right? My men's leader, right? He calls you by your name and a title. Who does Jesus say you are? That's what matters. The devil will constantly, he knows your name, but he'll remind you of your past. Hey, what's up, cheater? Hey, liar. Hey, cheater. Hey, liar. Hey, gangster. Hey, thief. Right? I was back in the day. I remember right out of high school, right out of high school, 18, right out of high school, got my first car, I got me a little Regal, and got me a first DUI right after I got the Regal. Right, mama? Yep. Timing is everything, mama. Tell the person next to you, Ig, don't lie. I can't make this stuff up. I got my first DUI, 18 years old. Shame, shame on me. But it was after that, you know, you, you, you go, you get after a year or two, right? You do your stuff, get AA meetings, and pay the fines or your little time, do whatever. But then it was like every time I would drive and get pulled over, that was on my record. So every time I would get pulled over, the cops were automatically, oh, you got the DUI, pull them over. I'll get pulled over and automatically they're saying, have you, have you been drinking today? We're going to have to do a breathalyzer. Can you get out your car? I'm like, it's like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, people drink in the afternoon. Get out the car, boy. See, I was already labeled. I was marked because of my past or because something I did, a mistake, but that just carried with me and that followed me. See, you are not defined by your past. You are not defined by your failure. You are not defined by your circumstance and you are not defined by your feelings. You are who God says you are and he knows you by name. He knows you by name. You're not defined of those things. I need today for you guys to start getting out of this thinking, thinking. I believe today God wants to break these identity, uh, uh, these crises you've been going through of who you say I am. What that person is, what that ex says you are. No, no, who does God say you are? You may have came in with an identity crisis, but I believe you're going to leave here with a, your identity knowing who Christ is. Because when you know who God, Christ truly is, then you know who you are. And you know the power that's in you. Your history may have marked you, but it's not authorized to label you. Rez, can you say it for me one time? Your history may have marked you, but it's not authorized to label you. It can't label you. But the reality is, the only one who created you can label you. What's stronger than the label? A seal, a seal, right? Not like a seal in the water, but a steel, seal. Now, anybody think a seal, like in the water? I'm just trying. I know I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box, so maybe that was for me. A seal of ownership, a stamp seal. A seal means guarantee security or to indicate ownership. You see, the world may label you, the devil may label you, your exes may label you, your old school may label you, the rep, your rep may label who you are. But I'm telling you, a label don't stick. But I'm telling you what sticks is that a seal. 2 Corinthians 2.21 says, now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. Check this out. He anointed us. Why? Because he's the anointed one. 
he, he anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. He set his seal. That means it's stamped. You are marked. You are, you are marked in him by his seal of ownership. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. If you ain't locked and loaded on who God is to you, what he says you are, that's a seal. You can't take that off. You can't take that off. When you give your life to Jesus, when you say, Jesus, my life for yours, when Jesus says, well, I died on the cross for you and you surrender your life to him, and that's what it's called born again. We die in our sins. We die of our past. And God says, I'm born, you're born again. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to change the course of your life. I'm going to change your journey, and I'm going to stamp it. I'm going to stamp it with my approval. You are my son now. You are my, no matter what anybody else says. You are set free of any of those things. So why are you continuing to walk in this identity? That's not yours. Some of you have been walking around with labels that you've been carrying for years, since high school. And you're like in your 30s or 40s right now. Take the labels off. Don't choose what to remember, what God has chosen to forgive and forget. I said, don't choose what to remember what God has chosen to forgive and forget. But hey, come on, man. You don't know my past. Egg, you don't know what I've done, or you don't even know what I do, right? How, how does God have a plan for me tomorrow when I'm living in sin today, right? Well, to be honest, I don't care, and Jesus don't care. You know how I know he looks past? Our, our hangups. You know how I know he looks past our, our flaws and all? I look at Peter's life. I look at Peter. Now on the day he tells this amazing revelation, revelation to Peter, you would think it would have changed everything. Right, Benny? You would think if, if Jesus told you, Benny, that on this day, Benny, I'm going to call you the rock. Right? Not what the, you smell with the rock is cooking, but the rock, the church. I'm going to give you the keys, Benny. I'm going to give you these keys. You would think that's going to change everything. You would think Peter would just change his whole mindset, his messing up here and there. You would think from that day on, after he was handed those keys, everything would change. Knowing he would build a church with him. Knowing he had the power to bind and loosen the things on earth as it is in heaven. And loosen in heaven as bound on earth, right? In heaven. But knowing he was given these powers and the keys, that should change anybody, right? But would you believe that not too long after this, Jesus tells that same Peter, that same rock, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You guys remember the story? Wait, 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 yeah, that's, that's the, he did this before that. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. What does Peter say? I never do that. I can't do that. I, I love you. I, I'll never deny you. And as we know, he does this right before the crucifixion, right before Jesus is crucified on the cross. Yes, is it clicking in now? The St. Peter, the same story. But Jesus still gave him these keys. Ernesto, Jesus still changed his name. He still changed the narrative. He knew he was going to deny him. He knew he was going to hurt him. He knew everything Peter was going to do. He knew the day he first met him at the boat and changed his name, all these things were going to happen. That's why I say for you. And you say, man, I'm all messed up. I keep messing up. God's going to do nothing with me. How's God going to use me? Man, I keep falling. Man, I keep messing up. Yeah, but you keep getting back up. Yeah, but I keep stumbling, but you keep getting back up. Yeah, but I did this. But you're here today. Come on, somebody. 
but you keep coming back. And God says, I know I'm not done with you yet. I'm just weaving this into your heart right now. I'm just making some changes in you. You have to go to the progress from assignment to the Peter to the rock. We're all in this progress right now. That's why he doesn't give up on us. But I believe it was after Jesus looked past all the mess, knowing Peter, once he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he had the advantage of him, his mess would be turned into a message. A message who would, we would teach this one to, like we're doing today on any given Sunday. How many times have we heard the story of Peter, right? We keep preaching on, on the water, everything he's done. On any given Sunday, we share this man's story. You would ask him back then, he's like, man, you're just going to talk about my mess. You're going to talk about all the times I messed up. Yeah, but that mess is now a message because you and I mess up. See, but God looked past all that and says, I'm going to give you the keys. You're the one, the one God spoke to. He will then be the rock, and he's seen the Simon Peter to build the church on. See, Peter always had in front of him, but he wasn't until he had the spirit in him that he was able to be the rock. And I believe it will be Pastor Tony and Pastor Gerard were kind of going through this message together. And we realized it wasn't until after when Jesus died on the cross and he was raised to heaven and he had his spirit come down and that spirit was filled into Peter. That's when he finally got it. That's when he transitioned to the rock. That's when he went on the first time and preached to, to a thousand. That's when he went and did all these things and started this church like they said. He became that man because why? He had an advantage. He had the Holy Spirit in him now, the same Holy Spirit you and I have today, the same advantage we have today, the same things Peter's got him back up is what we have today, and that's who we are. That's who we are today. That's the vision. That's the Peter Jesus had a vision for, and the same vision he sees you today. Who do you say God is? Once you say who God is, then you'll know who you are, who he says you are. We all have a plan. We all have a purpose. When you say what God says about you, you then activate what he has put inside of you. Once you become who you're supposed to become, you realize everything you had to overcome. That was a nugget from Pastor Tony. Let me give you one more shout out on that one. Once you become who you're supposed to become, you realize everything you had to overcome. Mm, nuggets right there. You need to write a book, brother. Nuggets by Pastor Tony. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It's good, though. You realize everything you had to overcome. How many overcomers do we have here? How many been through some things here? I can't see you, so you guys need to speak up a little. How many been through some things here? How many been through some things and you said, man, this is it. Man, this breakup is going to break me. Man, this job loss, this is it. Man, this rejection, no more. Man, this time the devil, you got me this time. This time I lost this and I lost that. No more. This is it. I'm just going to go back. Right? We want to give up. We want to give up. But then you realize everything you had to overcome, overcome is once you start tapping into saying, who does Jesus say I am? Let me remind you who you are. Let me remind you who you are. He says you're equipped and you're empowered. He calls you a masterpiece. And he says you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. That you are more than a conqueror, strong, confident, approved, and valued. You're approved and you're valued. You're strong and you're confident. The world will say you're the opposite. You're weak. 
You have no worth. Nobody's going to love you. Nobody's going to want to marry you. Nobody's going to want to hire you. You're nothing. People actually say that to people. Sometimes as parents say that to their kids growing up or family members. And what does that do? Sticks and sticks and sticks. I always say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You guys remember that? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. No, 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 no. I'd rather my wife, like, crack me over the head with the pan. I'll get a little tough guy, a uh, black eye. It'll cover. It'll heal. All right, Andre? But if she told me, I never loved you. You know what? I regret marrying you. Oh, God, I was just saying that. Words would never hurt me. Oh, words would kill me. Some of us heard some words in their lives. The usher team. I'm mean, sorry, not the usher team. The worship team. can come up. Those words. Words kill. I believe God today, when you heard these words growing up, when you heard these words recently, it marked you and it did something to your identity. It did something to your identity of who you are. But God is speaking to us on who our true identity is. And I also believe he is identifying these things individually. This is what I want you to tell you today. You, God wants me to remind you you are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? You are not behind. You're the head. You are somebody. You are valued, right? You are precious. You will make it. You are an overcomer. Too many times we hear these words and they stick to us. But we have to stop listening to the world. We have to block that out. Who does God say I am? He says I will make it. He says I'm an overcomer. He says I will survive this. Amen. He says you're going to make it. He knows the end of the story. He knows you're going to make it. And this is showing who your true identity is. For too long we've been walking with these fake ID cards. We've been walking in these fake ID cards for too long. Does anybody know what happens when, they, when you go to like the club and, and you, you show them your fake ID and you come in and I couldn't use a fake ID. They were like, man, this says you're 6'4", bro. Abdul, come on, man. Karina, not that you ever had a fake ID. Maybe a library, maybe a fake library card to get more books. We'll stay there. But what would happen is security, they grabbed a, a fake ID. What do they normally do? rip it up. You hear that? They rip it up. They see this. This isn't you. This isn't you. This isn't who you're saying you are. God sent me today, gave me this message to let somebody here know that this isn't you anymore. That identity you've been walking around with, this isn't you anymore. And God today is going to rip up. Come on. This isn't you anymore. How are you trying to come in with this? That's not you. You are not. You are my son. You are my daughter. He's taking that identity from you. You can't pick. You can't come back with this anymore. You can't come back with this anymore. Let me tell you who your true identity is. You want to know who you can start with this? We, we get saved and we get relaxed to God. He, this is. This is. Let me. Let me. This isn't on my notes. But sometimes when we get into confusion and say, well, who I am, God, what am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be this or am I supposed to be that? And we start getting confused of who we are and who does God say we are. 
And then sometimes when we confuse, am I supposed to be a pastor? Am I supposed to be a leader? Am I supposed to be this or that? And then when we don't know who we are, sometimes we just default back to who they said we were. And we sit in the back row and we just sit. And these words are for you. And you go, that's not me no more. That's not me. You know where you start? Two ways. God says, you're my son. And he says, you're an ambassador of Christ. Start right there. Start right there. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Because as an ambassador of Christ, you get the keys, right? As an ambassador of Christ, you get the Holy Spirit in you. As an ambassador of Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. You get this advantage in you. You get to call out things and loosen them is on earth, and they will be loosened in heaven. You know what that means? That Holy Spirit, loosen on my children. Loosen your spirit upon me. Loosen this, right? And it says you can find things. He gives you this power. As an ambassador of Christ, that's who you are. You start with that. Let me tell you this, too. Sometimes we get confused. Who, who am I? Who am I? Am I this? Who am I in this and the things of God? Start by this. Start by saying who you aren't. Let's start there. Who you aren't. You're not a drug addict no more. You're not an angry woman no more. You're not an alcoholic anymore. You're not a playboy anymore. You're not a thief anymore. You're not these things anymore, so stop calling yourself that. Stop listening to the enemy. Now listen to who God says you are. My son, my daughter. He equipped you, empowered. He calls you his masterpiece. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're more than a conqueror. And I believe today God is speaking to us, and not, not just in our, in our identity, who our true identity is. Because that's where we have to know who our true identity is in Christ. But not only is he speaking to us individually, but I also believe he's identifying who we are as a church. And you'll see how they are both woven together, stitched together. Who your identity individually is through Christ and who our identity is in the church. You see, at the May 1st Center, our previous church, Cathedral, we carried an amazing identity. And who we were as a church was this. It said, you're a place where anything is possible. That was our identity. You're a place where everyone is welcome and where the love is lived out. You guys remember that? That's who we were over there. It was great. With our transition here to the blessed side, God said, I'm going to have to give you a new identity because you're going into new territories. You're going on a new journey. Those things who you were over here, those were good, but you're going to lead a little more. I'm going to have to add on some more to the, who you truly are. You're going into a journey. So we got together for some time. We seek the Lord. We pray so we can hear who God said we were. Who did God say we are as the blessed side? Not who man says we are. Not the church on the corner. Not the old church who they say they are. No, who does God say the blessed side is? You know what God told us? He says you're a presence-driven church. Taking the message of reconciliation to the world. He says you hear the cries that only I hear, God says. He says you're a place where the Holy Spirit is given the room, not just the space. And where every member is an ambassador of Christ. That's who we are. Who does God say the blessed side is? That right there. And one thing we know for sure here at the blessed side, we are planted on good, healthy, rich soil. It's evident 
by the fruit of our ministries. It's evident by the fruit of our ministries. That's how you know where you got good soil. The fruit, right? The fruit of our ministries, you see our marriage group. You see our youth and young adults. You see our men's group. You see our women's group, right? You see our prayer group, right? That's how you know good and rich soil. And if you're planted here, if you are here, yourself here, and you're planted here, you have all the room to grow. That's how it's tied together on your identity in Christ. Make sure that your identity in Christ is on good soil. Because I've seen some, good, some people with some good calling, some good identities, but they're not planted in the right place. And they don't grow to the right place they should be. They don't grow into this big or big tree they're supposed to be with branches that will reach out. Amen. They're not put where? They have good soil, right, Pastor? They got rich soil. You're in the right place. You're in the right place to be planted and to grow. That's how it ties into who God says you are. Leave some of us here. God has blessed us with so many amazing people. People have been coming from different places, uh, uh, from uh, the old church transition with us, uh, even from other places that God is uh, uh, bringing different people, even from other churches, from all around the Bay Area. And not just to come here, but uh, we, we feel that God is helping build them because they were hurt, right? They were hurt in maybe ministry or hurt by a pastor or hurt by certain things, and God has brought them here. But even you, too, can come with an identity crisis. You could come here in the identity crisis, and you could say, well, you know what? Yeah, I was used over there. I was used and abused. So I'm just going to come here, and I'm going to sit. I'm going to come here and sit. And you've been here. And you've been sitting here. And sitting here. Maybe withering a little bit. Right? But let me tell you this. God gave you gifts. God gave you talents. You've been sitting here, and we don't know you. Like the disciples here, they didn't know Jesus. Like some of us, we don't know you. We don't know you like we want to know you. But Jesus knows you, and he is giving you these gifts and these talents. He put the light and shine inside of you, but you tend to just put a lampshade over it. But the Bible talks about you need to take that lampshade out. I'm telling you, you're in a safe place today. I believe that identity crisis, you too are going through this. I went through this, so I know what I'm talking about. I just want to sit. I don't even know if I'm supposed to preach anymore. I don't even know if I want to serve anymore. But God says your anointing wasn't over there. I didn't give you an anointing just at this church or from this pastor. No, I'm the anointed one, he says, and I give you that anointing. So where you go, that's where you need to pray. You put these out to practice, put these out to grow. I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging you today. God has gave everybody here something, a gift and a talent. But God is saying now, you're in a safe place. The soil is rich. The soil is fruitful. Trust us. Trust God. Watch him let you grow. You see here? Look at the space. There's a lot of empty seats. We could grow. We put this up here so we don't see all these empty seats over here. And we don't see all these empty seats over here. Right? There's a lot of room to grow this way. And we're doing it. And that's growing the people. But God says, yeah, yeah. here at the blessed side, you know how we like to grow? Up. This isn't a one-man show. This isn't a four-man pastor crew. This isn't. Everybody. 
is called. Everybody has a calling on them. Everybody, Jesse, has some gifts and talents. Everybody here is meant to do something for the Lord. And we see that and we recognize that. And we say, we don't want to just grow this way. We want to grow up. We want to grow up. We want to grow up in leadership. We want to grow up in the things of God. We want to grow up in what God is, what is God telling you? You know, today for our huddle, we huddle every day at 315. And we have a huddle here with everybody who wants to show up for prayer or for the meeting. And today, Pastor Jarrell did this. Hey, I'm going to let anybody know if God has given you a word, I'm going to leave the microphone right here and you come up and you can get, you let us know what God is telling you. That's trust. Easy. Pastor Jay, what if they say something crazy? What if, but what if they don't? What if they don't? Why do we know this? Because God speaks individually. God speaks to you individually. You've been called individually, Vanessa. You've been called. Everybody has a calling. We're growing this way, y'all. That's who the blessed side is. So if you're here today, I don't know if these ain't even my notes. I didn't mean to go this way. Sorry. But I'm telling you, somebody is just sitting here with something inside and God's saying, you have an identity crisis. You need to take that off of you. I've called you. I've called you to plow this world. I've called you to reach the lost. I've called you to take this city for Jesus. I've called you because there's a dying world out there and we need you. We need you. We can't take the steps for you. To be who God has called you. Let me say that again. We can't take the steps for you to be who God's called you to be. But we can take the steps with you. Will you stand with me today? You see, the Bible says, take a step toward me, and I will take a step toward you. And I believe with this first part of the altar call, it will represent for those taking a step to God's presence at this altar. You're stepping away from your past. You're stepping away from a false identity. It's been connected to you. And you're stepping into a revelation to hear who God says you are. I believe today God is taking some fake IDs. God is ripping them up. He's already forgiven you. He's already forgot that. But God says for you to move on, for you to move on as a mother, a father, a young man, young lady. He's saying, I need to take these things off you. I need to take these off you and give you a real, he's going to give you a new ID card. He's going to give you a new ID card. And on that ID card is full access. On that ID card is a stamp. It says, he's a chosen one. She is my chosen one. So we're going to open up these altars. And I believe as you step forward, you're stepping away from a past. As you step forward, you're stepping into his presence. And when you're in his presence, know that there's nothing that's limited to Jesus and in his presence. So as we sing this song, amen, take advantage of this opportunity. If that's you, if God's been speaking to you, we want to just open these altars. Amen. Receive what God has given to you and spoken to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you 
see what he's saying. The song is saying, listen to the words. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. If you're here this afternoon, amen. That's you this afternoon. We're just going to continue to have these altars open. If you need